Hey budding lawyers welcome to the podcast I am Prasanna Nairu and today we are going to have a conversation with Rohit Pradhan Rohit is a finally law student from Symbiosis Law School Hyderabad and he has an amazing YouTube channel and watching his videos made me interested in his work so we planned an episode with him Sadly I was not part of the episode but Rajesh and Amir hosted it so hope you like the episode and let's start with our conversation with Rohit Pradhan very good morning to one and all uh, and to all the viewers watching us today welcome to the budding lawyers podcast today we have uh, mr rohit pradhan with us rohit is a final year law student at the symbiosis law school hyderabad and is uh, going to graduate this very year and sir also has a very successful youtube channel on which he has a lot of uh, ed tech videos wherein he gives you a lot of uh, education regarding ip and nfts and what not and today we'll be having a great discussion not only about his choices of how he entered into law school but also a very immersive and a very uh, erudite discussion on what are nfts what is the metaverse and what's the fanfare about it so uh, rohit thank you so much for agreeing to be a part uh, and it's my pleasure our pleasure as well <laughs> so uh, beginning uh, i i want to know how you entered into law school and how has uh, life been since then uh like well my father was a district judge so definitely i had some influence and uh, i dis- suddenly i decided that i should be walking in the same path and uh, when i was giving uh, law school exams i found symbiosis law school hyderabad to be a very good choice there the course structure was really nice the campus was really good so that's how i joined the law school and uh, since then everyone has been really supporting whatever initiative i took uh, the teaching professors were all very supportive and the course module was uh, very up to date and uh, i would say that it has really been an educative journey till now amazing amazing so uh now moving on to the as you said all the teachers were very supportive and were just to adopt it so i uh, just want to know tell us idea of starting magazine or mind magazine as in a journal is for we'll put a link uh, well when tell we us. were in second year so i along with my co-founder we were wondering we didn't have very much you know a big force behind starting lex forty but again what we were thinking at that point was uh, we didn't see any platform which we were offering both journal and blog services so that was our preliminary force behind starting this initiative so and that's how we started it and later on we our ideology evolved and uh, it's still evolving as you can see we are offering different services right now so it's in the nascent stage uh, it's, it's still in the nascent stage right Amay, you take it. Okay, so the first thing which you know comes to my mind when I talk about freelancing is that so what came to your mind while starting the uh, the YouTube channel, right? And then uploading videos frequently, and then you know what drives you to do all this? Uh, well, when I started uh, YouTube, uh, I'll say that uh, it's it's like when. i used to start make videos on instagram like sporty's account and when i started making videos through normal snapchat so i felt that i should do better and people were really supportive and they were like uh, you should start a you know much 
channelized uh, version of what you are doing right now so i found youtube to be the best platform and uh, then i started making videos and definitely i got so much support from linkedin community and uh, people were very critical about my videos they thought they told me that where i was going wrong and then i improved uh, upon you know after each upload improved some aspect of it and uh, people started to like the video share the video uh, slowly the subscriber base increased and that's how it motivated me to continue this journey and uh, i felt that i should uh, contribute to this legal community by posting something which is not very readily available on you know online there and uh, people would you know be benefited out of it so that is one aspect of me being motivated to make continue you know keep continuing making videos on youtube right and so if i may also ask one thing so what is the most challenging part of the youtube channel is it you know coming up with new topics for new videos every week or is it actually the research or is it actually the recording part of actually speaking it out uh well i would divide difficulty into three parts the most choose the topic like the, as of now if you see the the, the duration between my two uploads it, it's usually two to three weeks sometime and if my luck is very good then one week but average it's two week so for so you can say for 10 days i just keep start to ponder what i should make my video on i does not want to make my video on something very cliche something which would add value to someone something uh, you know my favorite channel out there on youtube is the source verity asking it's science based channel and they do not make videos on popularity they videos on what people are thinking about you know not searching about something that you think about and then you forget but again if it comes to your feed you would be like okay i just i i must click on this video and I, I, i should uh, see what the answer is so that is the driving force behind me choosing the topic the second part of making difficult part of making videos definitely the editing portion while i so what happens that i am not that fluent while i speak i i stutter and uh, i start to um, eat so it's not very continuous when i speak on youtube on camera see, because staring in the lens keep continuing continuing talk uh, talking is not natural so definitely it's it, you know the whenever i speak there are a lot of breaks in my whole conversation so in editing i have to make sure that the whole video looks like a continuous flow of speech so it generally takes 10 to 12 hours to edit the whole video so i would say uh, select editing the video is the second difficult part third would be i would say moderate to difficult is to research on it because if you are putting something out on public you want to make sure that there is nothing wrong with the content there is something which if you are describing a section if you are describing some laws jurisprudence behind it you would want to make at least you would want to make sure that the law even the judgment is not overturned so you have to do a lot of research while making the video so i would divide my video making into three parts selecting topic editing and researching So if you are done with all these three things, then it's a cup of tea. Very very comprehensive uh, analysis uh, given there by Rohit on how he makes the videos. Uh, coming back to again, so as you said, the most challenging part is researching and finding out what the people want to know or what they are up for, right? So again, when we talk of Lex Forty, so I remember that you posted on LinkedIn quite a few times that Lex Forty was trending on Google. and uh, like as much as i understand of it uh, it also means that you were posting a lot of content that was uh, seen by people so how how was that uh, what what thought process went into that and how did that happen how did you come trending on google 
Uh, well, I'll be very transparent with what I do. So I have a lot of research tools like uh, uh, HRF, SEM Rush, through which I see what people are searching for. What uh, what these tools do? You you type a keyword, and if you type a keyword, it tells you that searching for right. How many people are searching for? And uh, it also tells you that what is the difficulty level that if you post that content, how difficult it is to like, get ranked on Google. So based on all these parameter techniques, also while uploading it, we do not want to put a research paper on the blog. What they want is that uh, they want something very comprehensive, something very easy on layman language. So you have to. We keep sure that the you know language is based on the intent of the search people who are searching content. So when you apply all these things, it ranks right. And uh, what happened with Lex Forty is that uh, we were we used to be very happy with whenever we used to get thousand or hundred clicks. But suddenly one day we saw that after a week or two that we got a million hits of impressions, a lakh plus hits in a month, and we were just blown. And then we thought, okay, okay, we are going into right direction, and we should keep continuing doing that. We have to make sure that your net speed is really good. So if if anyone is just thinking of starting a blog, they will have they should invest in a very good web hosting. They should make sure that there is no ad in their website so that it loads faster. So there are a lot of aspect to it. If they keep you know if they make sure all of it to be positive, then uh, definitely their website will also grow the way mine grow. right so the next thing which i also want to ask you is regarding freelancing so this is something very open that you a lot of opportunities are available in the world of freelancing especially for law students and not many law students actually try it right not many law students actually know you know where to approach where to find etc etc so how have you navigated through this entire world if you could share well uh if i being transparent here i tried upwork and fiverr and it didn't work out for me so i tried to search alternative way of getting freelance so in my latest video also if you would, if you would be glad to share the link in the description i also shared uh what i usually do is uh, i try to skill up myself i try to learn the skills for example if cease and desist notice it's something this is notice is something which is not uh, applicable in india but is applicable more in western countries so if i learn the nuances of drafting that and other draft or uh, drafting in ipr take ipr for example right so if i take that into consideration okay i skilled up myself my second target would be to find the target so who would be my target i'll try to find someone who is practicing the laws because i can represent a client probably in most uh, you know probable situation they would go for lawyers not to a law student or freelancer to get their trademark registered or you know do preliminary legal research so as a student i would you know see or uh, target a law firm or a lawyer i will try to find someone who is not very popular someone but who someone who represent big clients so you can go and just search the brand name in any country's trademark portal something which is which is an international brand for example i'm shooting myself right now from canon camera Uh, i go to us uh, trademark office and write canon just think about it the the the, the ip firm which is representing canon in U us okay you would say us is a big market how about small countries like new zealand there you go and see which company which law firm is representing canon it's they have a big, very big shot client right but the competition is super less so even if you go and apply for internship or you know uh, 
freelance opportunity if you offer yourself a free event you know even free but you get a certificate out of some that foreign law firm i think that would be very valuable and people should do that so that's how i try to find that you know the lawyers the law firms who would want my service and uh, offer them my services that's how i go with freelancing great and also so uh, uh, for all the viewers you know we we'll go to the ip registry beat for india or beat for usa and we'll attach the link of which we are of from which you can access you know the name of lawyers which represented many clients if we find it so uh, no rohit rohit has epitomized what uh, how self learning can do wonders for you yes, right sir. and uh, in his latest video as i mentioned so we'll we'll put a link down in the description or somewhere over here in the i button please Thank check you. the video out and also subscribe to mr pradhan's channel uh, and moving on as as um, rohit um, just you you mentioned in in one of your answers that uh now now that there are so many uh, you know evolving fields of law and ip being one of them and uh, from ip you know the closest link nowadays that is being drawn is to nft because that is uh, an expression of your uh, intellectual property uh, and and before we get into those cases uh, i would want you to first uh, explain what exactly is an nft what is a blockchain and you know simplify it down as much as possible for so that a large number of audience can relate to it well uh, if i have to explain what nft in blockchain is in simpler language then let's do it with an example like make sense so if we see nft it's nft non fungible token so what is fungible if i'm breathing in air the air and breathing it out it's fungible something which is replaceable i can replace this air right what is non fungible for example say this phone my sister gave this phone to me you can actually go and reproduce the same phone you would say it's replaceable but what about the emotional bondage i have with this phone you can't replace that right so that is non fungible item that is in the real world what about something like token something which is virtual now to understand token you have to understand blockchain so it is connected right so what is blockchain so i'll uh, i'll give a small example of what blockchain is for example i uh, google pay rajas 500 rupees So it's not like a five hundred rupees hard cash would go and flow into his phone. It's more like I have a ledger bank account and uh, Rajesh has a ledger. And bank as a third person would see that in my ledger, there was five thousand rupees. The five thousand minus five hundred, four thousand five hundred. Rajesh five thousand plus five hundred, five thousand five hundred. It's more about game of you know game of numbers. And if we see who is operating this game of number, it's the bank, a entity which we trust with the money, right? something which is the epitome of trust for us even though they screw us with our money they do corruptions we don't have any other option we trust them right so that is in banking but what happened in blockchain is that there is flow of cryptocurrency and there is this game of validation of number but here it's not the bank but a network of computer if my friend is mining cryptos or you are mining cryptos and amia is mining cryptos say and if someone is doing transaction but but what about my friend trying to implicate that transaction as a faulty transaction then amias and rajas network would say no then this transaction is fine and there would be millions of other computers which will support that so if we see the epitome of trust now the level has increased to blockchain something which is beyond banking and which we can trust it's it's blockchain so that is blockchain for you right now what is token let's come back to topic if If Elon Musk take the screenshot of his first 
tweet and your tweet on OpenSea. Now blockchain is saying that Rohit Pradhan bought it. Rohit Pradhan paid the fees from uh, to uh, Jack Dorsey and Jack Dorsey received the money. And now this piece, this token belongs to Rohit. It's digital certificate you can say. That is token. Like a non-fungible token, something which cannot be replaced. It's a digital token, you know, certifying that Rohit Pradhan is the owner of this new digital asset. That is NFT for you. So from what I can understand from a very layman's uh, point of view is that it is really the advantage which blockchain has, right? Over something which blockchain cannot be modified or uh, tampered. You know, that is what makes non-fungible tokens set out from other things. For example, if I have a photograph, I can sell it in the market without NFTs also. But it is, as you said, it is the, you know, the factor of trust, which makes, which will, you know, make uh, non-fungible tokens trend even in the long run. Is it true? For example, uh, Amea has this uh, idea, business idea. And uh, his business idea is that let's do something. And there's a website called, website called kickstarter.com. So what happened in the Kickstarter is uh, he puts his business idea in Kickstarter and Kickstarter tells people that Amiya has this great business idea. Do you want to give money to Amiya? It's crowdfunding website. What is happening here? It's a centralized website. Kickstarter.com is the boss here. I am giving money to Kickstarter, trusting that they would handle my money. Right. And, and uh, trusting that Kickstarter will give you money, Amya money. Right. But in blockchain, there is no Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. There is smart contracts, right? If Amya is selling a picture on Amazon, Amazon is holding that picture. What if Amazon does not show it to the seller and want Amya to pay money to, you know, put that his post in the top post, you know, something influencing that whole uh, selling process. In uh, NFT marketplace, there is nothing like that, that someone is controlling, you know, the flow of information, which post should go up, which post could, should go down. So it's super decentralized process and uh, it's something which is very new and interesting, fascinating. And uh, it's worth watching what is going to happen with it and uh, how it would evolve in future. Right, right. Understood. So al al along with the factor of uh, the the you know safety and security which blockchain offers it is also the de decentralized nature of blockchain in general which makes nfts trending yes but say uh, so what if for example uh, there is an allegation that is uh, being put on crypto in general is that it is used to fund terrorism and or or to say some anti-social elements and uh, some some people also say that the very basis of founding it was also to fuel the uh, black market or the informal uh, economy as we say uh, so do you not think that somewhere blockchain and crypto have their own limitations because people can use fake names and be registered on blockchain something like that can happen see i do understand that with anonymity there are issues like uh, crimes money laundering but tell me one thing for thousands of years even way before cryptos came into existence or internet came into existence people used to indulge in crime and it involved hard cash something which we are trusting so much it involved hard cash and people used to indulge in crime did we ban the hard cash we didn't we tried to see other possible way to catch the person who is trying to you know uh, do the crime 
what happens in OpenSea? For example, taking an example of an NFT marketplace, if someone is copying Lexporty's logo and selling it as NFT on OpenSea, definitely they are earning some money out of it. That is a clear infringement of trademark, right? So what will happen if they are anonymous? Even if they are anonymous, platforms like OpenSea collect data. They collect different kinds of details like IP address, MAC address, device details, screen size, and tons of information. And if we see IT rule, our country's IT rule, they don't have any you know, specific data protection law, but even the IT rule, which talk, it talks about that in case there are court orders and uh, it requires uh, active cooperation by part of platforms, then have to cooperate with the law enforcement agencies. So if they are infringing my trademark, what I'll do is definitely I'll go to court, file case against two entities, an unknown entity infringing my trademark and the OpenSea marketplace, right? Or any other leading NFT marketplace. I can't find the unknown infringer, but I can find a platform where this thing is happening, right? So they have two options to do. They can turn, you know, put down the post which is selling the NFTs. They can do that. If they can, that's great. Or they can also share the information, these bits and pieces of information like IP address, MAC address, see, even with, without blockchain, people used to indulge and indulging are indulging in cyber crimes. And in a lot of cases, they cannot be traced back, right? So in the same manner, it depends upon the skills of the people who are doing the crime. If they do some mistake, they'll get caught. If they are not doing the mistake, the other alternative is that the marketplace can turn off, you know, turn down those uh, posts which are infringing the IP rights, the other laws. Now, talking about the major issues like money laundering and etc. Definitely, uh, we we need to require to skill up ourselves. We need to know. We need to find out how to source back, trace back. We should not actually ban the technology. Rather, we should find the alternative way to find out who is doing the crime. Because as I said, for thousands of years, people used to, you know, uh, extort the traditional uh, currency mechanism, the hard cash money to do the crime. We didn't ban the hard cash. In the same manner, we shouldn't ban and we should actually work on other things to find out and uh, to trace back who is actually indulging in the crime. That is my stance. stance. Right. And so also, if I may further, so it is absolutely right that, you know, in rather than actually banning the entire thing, you know, regulation is the way ahead. And, you know, this is the approach which has been uh, adopted by many authorities worldwide, right? right? If there is any new thing, for example, anything, you know, then first of all, they might ban it, but then later on, you know, they might come up with some detailed regulations, which facilitate use of that system also. Right. But mm -hmm. apart from that, you know, I also have one more query that, you know, if it is hard cash or any other thing, you know, when there is any in investigation about that, you know, because it is hard cash and because blockchain is not there, you know, the chances of the, the proof being, uh, you know, shred or any way, you know, in which uh, evidence can be suppressed, you know, that cannot happen with blockchain because, you know, the moment transaction takes place in blockchain, it is stored, right? And blockchain mm -hmm. is something which cannot be modified. So for any in investigative agency, there is a good, you know, you know, what do you say? A nice, uh, yeah, bits of pieces. right. So where, you know, which can be accessed at very easily and without any, you know, without any uh, possibility of that being shredded in any way.
is it also true if i'm not wrong there is something called as blockchain address for any transaction there is a unique address put to yeah. so not very sure if how efficient it is to trace back who is actually infringing the laws but uh, definitely uh, with the time and evolving technology we could do something for it because i believe okay there are bad things happening with blockchain technology but there are tons of good thing which could also happen with blockchain technology right so uh, based on what you said that this information are stored on the blockchain on the network uh, you know there could some breakthrough in future which could help out to efficiently trace back who is uh, infringing someone's right or who is infringing the laws so maybe you know some data the data bill which india has 2019 or some other law you know that has some clause which says that the company should trace the first uh, you know messenger so maybe you know if any kind of that law is also applied the application of that law is ex- extended to you know blockchain applications also that might be just one way i mean this is just our opinion okay we might be wrong yeah yeah let's see <laughs> yeah Yes, I mean, future. Uh, nobody knows what future beholds, especially when it comes to laws and uh, that too on such a contentious topic, right? So uh, again, my my question would be that uh, now now that we have discussed how uh, so like regulating blockchain and uh, operating it is more of what uh, humans want to do with it, right? It's not necessarily evil if we don't make it evil. So uh, coming back to the topic of how does one create an NFT? uh and how do you sell it and what's what's the procedure to it and how does one receive cash in you know exchange for it what's the process i'll tell you one example okay there are tons of marketplaces but i'll tell you about a marketplace which is world's biggest nft marketplace that is opensea.io so what happened there is uh, for in order to make an account in opensea as you i, I told you that you do not you do not have app Uh, any mechanism to pay through the traditional uh, cryptocurrency system you would pay through cryptocurrencies right so how do you pay through cryptocurrency for that you require a wallet called as crypto wallet right so one of the most famous crypto wallet is metamask so if you have used zotero or other chrome extension you know there is an extension above the chrome you click on it and it start to operate right in same manner metamask work you there is extension installed in the chrome whenever you uh, visit the open opensea it it activates right so when you open a metamask account it does not require your name or any real information right you put something to it and then it gives you a pass it uh, you add password to it and it gives you a emergency password right if you uh, lose that emergency password you want to be able to retrieve back that crypto wallet now what happen is that what you need to do is to add money to it the crypto money to it so how do you do that so for that we have crypto exchanges like wazirx we have coin dcx what you do through that you take the cash from the bank uh, put it in the wallet of coin dcx or uh, wazirx you buy bitcoin ethereum worth 10 rupees 100 rupees whatever the value is 
and once you got the ethereum your crypto, uh, crypto exchange like wazirx or coin dcx there is a system to transmit that cryptocurrency to your crypto wallet right so the, your crypto wallet metamask has a address 1023 whatever you put that number to your coin dcx or wazirx and it will transfer the cryptocurrency to your chrome extension wallet metamask layer. there now you got the currency now you are ready to rock in the open sea what do you do you take a picture click it you put it on the net um, or you do what there is there is no limit to what you can do you can take pictures video whatever and put it on the opensea.io there you add value in what value do you want to sell it now a little disclaimer there are two sides of opensea buyer seller now what is happening if a buyer tries to sell something to ignite the whole blockchain process he'll have or she'll have to pay one time gas fee and right now it costs 30000 rupees for you know uh, to ignite the whole transaction for seller part every time he or she buys an nft he'll have she'll have to pay a gas fee say if rajas amia is uh, putting an nft on nft marketplace a picture and he put the value to be 0.000 ethereum something which values around five dollars and rajas want to buy it so rajas won't be paying five dollar worth of crypto he would be paying five dollar plus gas fee which could be thirty thousand twenty five thousand whatever it is right and if rajas now that's how it works amia put nfts in nft marketplace he pay one time gas fee now after he can put unlimited nfts without gas fees with what with whatever value he wants and people like rajas or me will buy nfts from amia by paying amia's value what amia put uh, value for his nft plus gas fee right now i bought now i bought it for say 5 dollar worth of crypto now rajas want to buy for it from me that is called flipping nfts so i'll flip the nfts to uh, put it in the marketplace for 10 dollar worth of cryptos right now what will happen rajas will be paying 10 dollars worth of crypto plus gas fee right and if amia wants he can put a value say every time someone sells my nft to other buyer i will get five percent of what he's making money you know so my amia will be earning a commission every time someone sells an nft so that's how in crux it works on an open sea Can you can you again explain what is a flipping NFT? So what uh, flipping NFT is that you might have seen that board ape NFTs, right? That are being sold for millions and millions of dollars. So flipping NFT means you buy NFT for cheap rate, and then you sell it for higher rate. Flipping NFTs. So there are people who are flipping NFTs for say five thousand worth of crypto, dollar worth of crypto they buy and sell it for fifty thousand worth of cryptos on uh, NFT marketplaces. That is flipping. You flip them. Like you, you majority of buyer there is not a collector. They are there with the intent to earn money. So that that's what goes on these marketplaces, flipping NFTs. So the gas fee that you mentioned off, it's only a one-time fee, and then for lifetime you won't have to pay any additional charges. If you are a seller, if Rajas wants to sell one lakh NFTs on marketplaces, for one NFT he'll have to pay a one-time gas fee. For other one lakh NFTs, he won't have to pay it. But if I am buying one lakh NFTs from Rajas, I'll have to pay gas fee one lakh times to what it said as uh, running the blockchain. Okay. 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 Ok
you need something to run the blockchain no that's why okay. so uh, so just just make myself clear you all when you make an account on opensea you have an option of being registered as a seller or a buyer yeah you can be both you can be seller as well as buyer but every time you buy something you necessarily have to pay the gas fee yes and that too in crypto yes all right so it's kind of expensive it's somewhat expensive to buy nfts in earlier it used to be NFT. cheap but uh, now it's expensive and it is said that it, the gas fee will keep on increasing with the time i don't know the reason exactly but that's what it is being said there are market marketplaces out there which does not charge gas fee they do not actually transact on ethereum based blockchain rather it works on some other crypto based blockchains from not wrong solana something like that so in that blockchain based technology you do not require to pay gas fee now you would ask why people are not using it people are not using it because people know about opensea only so it's one of the biggest marketplace and that's why even you require to pay gas fee people go for it in the opensea right and uh, amma so so from what i understand so it's like you know other markets as well you know where you buy and sell everything and then so nfts are you know if i may say they are just they are like stocks only for that matter you buy i mean if you want to buy a stock then you have to buy the you know the price of the stock along with you know some fee which is there right and then if you want to sell it again then you know you might get this sale amount and then you also have to pay some tax right for every uh attack capital obviously te- te- technically it's different but uh, in bare notion that's how it goes you pay value for something right right yeah so uh we just one last question before we jump to meta uh can you explain what exactly is mining a cryptocurrency Yes. So what happened? There are tons of cryptocurrencies: Bit, Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Solana, etc., etc. So each of these cryptos has some value, with some purpose of you know behind. And unless it's a Dogecoin, which is a meme, which is which is a meme coin, but there are cryptos which has some real life work behind it. Uh, if I'm not wrong, there is a crypto which works on to facilitate the cross border transaction. right ethereum block based blockchains are used for selling nfts you know there are purposes behind nfts so what happen here is for example if i there are a lot of platforms through which you can do mining you know you can you can mine cryptos if you do not want to go into codes and all there are platform which supports you know which helps you out to mine cryptos what happen there is that if i am mining crypto rajesh is buying mining crypto amya is mining crypto basically we are validating the transactions we are you know, we are just validating validating the transaction and when you validate the transaction you get reward out, out of it right so if i mine cryptos uh, say uh, if i have a very big setup for bitcoin it requires a very big setup earlier when bitcoin came into existence even a mobile phone could do the crypto mining for bitcoin i'm telling you right then as you know bitcoins are very limited in number the mo- that you know it's decreasing as the we are mining cryptos right so it's getting difficult to mine 
uh, Bitcoin. So you require very powerful system to mine Bitcoins, you know, to validate the transactions. Now what is happening? I am validating the transaction. It's a quid pro quo. I'm validating the transaction and I'm getting reward out of it. What reward I'm earning Bitcoin. If I'm mining Ethereum, I am validating the transaction and out of it, I am earning Ethereum, right? So that is the bare notion behind what mining crypto is. You validate the transaction and you get a reward out of it. So that is what mining crypto is. Um, so, so as you said, you know, the requirement of the, you know, a very strong connection or network to actually mine crypto. So does India or, you know, normal laptops or normal setups offer enough, you know, of that power to mine crypto or what is actually required? If you want to mine cryptos like Solana or other cryptos, uh, the uh, mana, etc. For that, you require you, your laptop would suffice. But if you want to mine Bitcoin, your laptop wouldn't work. You require you have you seen it requires CPU plus GPU to mine crypto in Bitcoin specifically, right? Now, when you talk about GPU, you talk about Nvidia, right? Nvidia is a very great uh, graphic uh, design uh, card manufacturing company. So you require to have lot of such graphics card, a system made of it and lot of powerful CPUs. You set up, you create the whole setup and then you mine cryptos. You have to make sure that your electricity bill that is coming should not surpass what you are earning out of it. Right? So you have to keep that in mind. That's why world's biggest crypto miners are stays in cold places, cold places, you know, like Russia, Canada, they create the whole system out there because the heat for that you require fan and for running funding fan, you require electricity to cut the cost, the cut the, cut the cost of that is the same. They just established everything in the very cold temperature. Some people buy their own, uh, what do you say? What is that thing which, uh, which turns the turbine in the air and uh, it's converted into electricity. Uh, they buy that thing windmill they have their own windmill to have their own electricity you know uh, they don't have to buy it so bitcoin is very 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 competitive if you want to have a sustainable and they earn million out of it that is another story so that's with the bitcoin something which is very difficult then there are something which is very easy like moderate one is ethereum then uh, all the other new cryptos which are coming uh, right now so that's how it goes something which is very limited like bitcoin requires super uh, computing strength uh, it is said that after some years even that would fail and require something like um, super computer and uh, some something sort of that to run uh, to mine cryptos but right now that is the story this is the story uh, so uh, is this activity happening somewhere in india now Mining cryptocurrencies. People are there. If you go on YouTube, uh, that uh, how to uh, set up a, a mining uh, mining operation in India. There are people who are mining cryptos in India. Like there are lakhs and lakhs of people who are following those channels, getting tips out of it. People are doing it. 
So if I have a set of GPU and CPU right here and I mine crypto, definitely if my electricity bill is lesser than what cryptos I'm getting, I can easily go transfer that crypto to my crypto exchange through that crypto exchange to my bank account and get money out of it. So people are doing it in India. But not in that scale, the scale I told you yeah. about, you know, having that big uh, turbine and everything. Not in that big, bigger scale, something very moderate. It's going on in India and throughout the world. So I again didn't like I understood your point, but to mine crypto means to to run a code or to what what exactly is it? How do you end up getting that coin? Uh, While uh, well, there are I believe two ways of mining cryptos. One is the basic one, which I'm not aware of. But again, there are many platforms out there on internet, which uh, the name I can't suggest, but if you search mining cryptos website like that, you will get such platforms as software, right? Just open your computer and start mining crypto. You click on it, mining crypto. Which crypto do you want to mine? Ethereum, Bitcoin, whatever you want to click on it. There are platforms which offer such services and your computer will start to run. Your fan speed will increase. You'll have to keep on your computer, you know, right, right there for 24 hours, one week. You'll get start to get electricity bill. It will take electricity. There will be higher electricity consumption and uh, you will start to get cryptos. The website, the, the platform would be like, okay, you know, you got say 0.3 Ethereum, which is very high, but 0.3 Ethereum. Now it came into your MetaMask through MetaMask to transfer that 0.3 Ethereum to your crypto exchange. That is the coin DCX or Wazirx. Now from that 0.3 Ethereum, if you might have used Wazirx or Coin D6, you know how easy it is to sell your cryptos for cash on these platforms. So you just sell those 0.3 Ethereum and you get money out of it. So that's how people earn money by mining cryptos. But again, I'm not aware of the, you know, that proper way to mine cryptos because I haven't before, but I am aware of platforms which facilitate such services for people who are not aware of it. What 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 is the prevailing rate of uh, crypto? If you can tell me, like one coin is equal to how many rupees or dollars, whatever. It is. I'll Google it. Uh, for example, one Ethereum, right? Uh, if uh, someone is uh, selling me one Ethereum, it will cost around two lakh forty thousand rupees. One Ethereum is two lakh forty thousand. So it's not like if you're investing in Ethereum, you have to buy one Ethereum. You can buy zero point zero 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 one Ethereum as well. So that's how it goes and uh, the rate is increasing and uh, if you talk about Bitcoin, it goes even much wilder. I will tell you one BTC is around 33,77,000 one Bitcoin. It's 33 lakh rupees and the price is lower. It was much higher in August 2020. So. <laughs> That is the current state. Because, you know, if you, yeah. you might have heard of this news long, long ago, some guy, random guy paid two, three or you know, 10 bitcoins to buy a pizza. It is said that it, it that pizza, now it's world's most costliest pizza. The guy paid for it. What if that guy forgot and you know didn't pay that those 10 or whatever bitcoin he paid, he would have been billionaire right now. But bad luck but he was very hungry it seems <laughs> i guess that was worth it if it was a good pizza <laughs> definitely 
so uh, but ultimately the the conclusion being that it is worth all the uh, money bills or the electricity bills once you get the desired amount of bitcoins or you mine enough coins then you are well aware yeah but if you try to mine bitcoin in your traditional computer as i said you won't be able to mine bitcoin from your normal computer definitely your web electricity bill goes skyrocket but uh, you would never get a single bitcoin out of it but again if you mine other cryptos like solana or etc your uh, there is a good possibility that uh, the value of bitcoin you are getting out of it would be much higher than the value of electricity bill you are incurring right there right so that's why if i if i'm right you know if you if you want to use bitcoin or any cryptocurrency as a currency to make payments for you know things like pizza that's why it is very important for those that currency the value of that currency to be stable for example rupee and dollar are re- relatively stable right so that's why you know we need something like a rupee you know which is stable and you know which is not very volatile you know which people usually do for trading that's what government contention was when they were anti uh to cryptos and now they are going to launch digital rupee which i'm not aware of what are the intricacies behind it but definitely government has this a uh, note of the volatility whatever that term is make sure that that does not happen with the virtual rupees that they are to produce right right so okay so one last thing you know it might also happen right for example you know the if i pay someone using crypto okay so let's say i pay one crypto to someone okay for anything like, like a pizza and then one week after that the price of crypto drops it it is rock bottom now it you know it falls about 40 per 40 50% then you know that that shop can also initiate some legal action against me right because they lose all the money and all those things they can't if they are offering that that you can pay me through cryptos right if they have metamask i have metamask i paid uh, through metamask one ethereum to him it's 33 lakh rupees i bought a car and tomorrow there is a price drops down it's not my fault that the price went down it were them they thought of all the possibilities they knew about the high volatility volatility i am not able to pronounce it of the cryptos and still they went on and went on went on ahead and offered that service then definitely it was their fault they can't do anything against us right that's also valid so okay so you know with that you know now we can move on to metaverse you you also made a very you know good video an all in encompassing video on metaverse what it means and you know which are the legal implications you know on indian law and all those things so you know for starting you know please explain what metaverse is for the viewers well i'll give you a paired meaning of metaverse and then an example if you as a person is interacting in a virtual space right the the thing that you are interacting in a virtual space and you know that whole thing is metaverse real space that is universe if you are interacting in the virtual space that is metaverse now you might have heard this term after facebook changed its name to meta everyone out there but it has been there since 
long time ago if the viewers right here have watched this uh, uh this uh, series called the office you might have in, uh, encountered with this one episode where there's a character called Dwight Schrute he is uh, running this game called uh, the another life where he is a sales person he also marries someone else there that game is metaverse have you played pubg metaverse have you played any game where it involved other people you know interacting with other people coordination metaverse metaverse existed for a long time right what changed you know what made it fascinating is the step up you know that mode of communication we had in past was pigeon probably then it went on to letter then it went on to telephones phones mobile phone whatsapp video call now it's meta it's metaverse you know it's more like i wear a vr headset you wear a vr headset we are in the same place the level of metaverse i'm talking about right now it's next level metaverse and that what that that's what makes it very fascinating to all of us metaverse has been there for a very long time but again the the the, the new things about metaverse that uh, the, the facebook wants to introduce to us what is is something which makes it more fascinating right so 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 we are moving into metaverse you know maybe 2.0 is it uh, yeah you can say that <laughs> technology evolves right technology yes. evolves a lot who knows after 10 years how good it would be for example if we are having zoom meta for example zoom introduced its own software zoom meta in which we just wear the hair we are headset and we all three are in the same platform what if youtube introduced youtube meta in which if you are watching a music video we are wearing a vr headset and we are in the music video probably and we can't differentiate how real it is or how meta it is so it is just something about our own imagination how wild it could go in future we have this technology called metaverse how good it would go depends upon people right out there working on it right no but again so uh, one question i have so whatever you do in metaverse is not happening in real life right it, it won't happen in your real life it stays in the virtual reality space yes you can say that but you are interacting with people i shouldn't name it uh, you might have heard about uh, but there would be real life implications of what you do in metaverse if we are in zoom meeting and i start to slander about someone right here i would face the implication and brunt of it right so if i do the same thing in metaverse definitely there would be implications in real life definitely it's not happening in real life but whatever i do right there would have implications in real life but why do you think are people so crazy about it if it won't have a real connection with our you know the life that we are living in why would facebook invest so much if you know there are no direct links between meta and human life people dwell into technology right what is the purpose of facebook google and other social media giants right out there the purpose is to involve user with their services as long as possible and feed them with ad as much as they want so that their revenue increases what happened to us earlier we did okay when when for the first time when i had uh, used internet 
it was around 2009 or 10 right i was fascinated my mind blew right when i started youtube it used to buffer a lot music when we used to download it used to buffer a lot took 5 minutes and for us we do like oh man we just downloaded this music in 3 minutes my net is super awesome can we go back to that stage right now we can't we just uh, you know our it it improved so much metaverse is nothing the things we are talking about in metaverse is something which is a very improved version of communication right we can't go we wouldn't come back to what we are having right now we would stuck to it if we are watching this device uh we knowing that it's something very uh, distant from us but we dwell into too much after the exponential growth of technology that's we are inside of it who knows so they know that if they do it properly people will stick to it you know as in technology improves people go with that technology and they don't come back to what they used to do right so that's why they are investing so much but, but again there are a lot of other uh tech uh tech uh, journalists and other people who says that it would fail this technology wouldn't run but again it was these were the guys who said that cryptos would fail and there is no scope of it so i think it's something which it is very contingent to what's going to happen and we can't actually say what you know what is the future of it but i can say it's definitely bright what it is offering and uh, definitely worth watching yes yes for sure i mean for example we are having the zoom meet now you know and, and you know if you know in the next time we talk something like metaverse is released and you know we might have a next meeting through metaverse so and you know that that will be there will be no end for that right only go up one come back probably yeah 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 so what what i think um, is that you know to you know kind of so that you know when i metaverse actually comes you know many legal systems will actually pay play catch up with that you know first metaverse will come and then you know some legal issues will arise and then you know the legislatures might you know some do something about that so that's why you know i think you know it is role of everybody to you know suggest some changes and forecast you know what changes we might have, we might need to do in the legal regime which we are having you know every laws which influence metaverse and all those things so which are some areas of law according to you you know which might be for example in your youtube video you said you know something like the it rules is one see uh, if there is any company which is offering metaverse services definitely we do not we do not know what is going to happen in future but there is something which we definitely know of they are going to deal with data doesn't matter what they are going to do but they are going to deal with data so it's something which we know of which we can work on for example uh, there are laws right now for example for example you know we are law students right now i want but what if we make our career in tech law we become tech attorney uh, there is a company which comes to us and say that uh, rohit i think i am going to launch this metaverse service in india and uh, just let me know the compliances i would make sure that i cover all of it so what i as an attorney would do will tell them tell me what you deal with what kind of data you collect do you ask people their gender the way metaverse does not ask your gender does your game ask the people's gender if it is it's sensitive personal information you do okay now you'll have to establish another subsidiary company in india probably which would store the data and it should not go beyond the geography of india 
something like that it will obviously depending upon what offer they, what services they offer depending on that we'll have to make a whole strategy and tell them okay these are the compliances that you need to do so presently it's a you know compliance part basically which uh, which which would be required in, at present time if they are going to deal with metaverse in in india specifically right so basically apart from that i don't have any other thing to ask because all whatever we you know we spoke it is something very new to everybody and i mean this this interview was you know very en- en- enriching that way you know in terms of the content we got to consume right so the only thing which i can say is that you know it has been a good you know thing for me that i got to know many things and uh, i would like to thank you both that you invited me in this uh, interview and uh, to be honest i was not very sure how good it would be but again i just didn't think much while talking and uh, i feel like the things i talk about freelancing is something which is going to help out lot of people out there people who would be persistent with the effort definitely you require effort to do that uh, so that's all i'm very happy that i was able to share my things with such a wide audience because that's 20 times bigger than what i can offer right now so definitely i'm very happy yes yes i'm sure you know many viewers are going to going to derive a lot of value from this conversation